0: welcome to the geomob podcast where we discuss geo innovation in any and all forms whether for fun or profit hello everyone welcome back to another episode of the geomob podcast today we welcome back uh, a prior guest simon Poole, is rejoining us he was a guest about a year ago here on the podcast um, we talked about a lot of different things then, but today we're going to go a bit deeper on his role as a developer of an OSM editor, specifically Vespucci, which is, uh, I believe, the most popular Android editor. Simon, so, mean, you can correct me if that's not the case. But um, so we wanted to get kind of the background on what's what's the state of play in the OSM editor world in general, and um, you know what goes on in making an editor. What are the challenges? What are the the joys, hopefully there is a bit of joy in, involved in it. And um, yeah, so welcome back to the show, Simon.
1: Hi, Ad, uh, and thank you for having me back. Um, yeah, is there joy in developing an editor for Android? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the reason that we're having this discussion is that in August, I suddenly, well, after August, I suddenly realized, oh, I've been doing this for a decade. And I was slightly surprised Um, because time flies. And there's a lot to unpick uh,
0: in this space. Maybe, maybe we should start with kind of a high-level overview. So what, what is the current state of play with uh, OpenStreetMap editors? Uh, how are people editing OpenStreetMap? What are some of the most popular editors? Do we have any statistics there? And give us, um, I know you're a fan of OpenStreetMap statistics, so I'm sure, I'm sure you have these numbers. So, so how, how are people editing OpenStreetMap?
1: The, the interesting thing is it hasn't really changed. Um, If you go back in history, back to the first version of Potlatch, Potlatch 1, which was the first really popular website-embedded editor. It's always been the editor that is on the website that most people use. Um, So that goes back to about 2007. And... I don't know how many people know that that are listening, but there was a second version, Potlatch 2. That's the editor that was current when I started up in OpenStreetMap. And in 2013, that was replaced by ID. So ID is a decade old as well now. And um, that's what most people use. And, it, and, and it's not just what mo, most people use, it's what most beginners use. So if you look at the composition of ID uh, user base, there are around about 60% are newbies per year, and 40% are existing users.
0: Okay, but I guess the big difference between now and then is that everyone now has a smartphone, right? And these smartphones are quite powerful, and you can... You can have actually quite sophisticated applications on the smartphone that enable all kinds of things. For example, Vespucci. I
1: I think you need to differentiate, and and this is mainly due to smartphones, but we've had that in in web apps as well, full editors that allow you to change essentially everything, including geometry. So add a new road... um, delete a road, split a road, um, add land use or whatever. And special purpose editors that say just change a couple of tags on a, on a point of interest or just for adding points of interest. And we've ha- always had that in OpenStreetMap. The The earliest POI editors go back to 2008 or something like that. But that's naturally become more common with mobile phones and you're completely correct from a, a performance capability point of view the phones outstrip what we were using 15 years ago it's just the the thing that you naturally have limited screen real estate um, that said there are still only about well there's ID, there's JOSM there's Map on iOS which is a full editor as well and Vespucci on Android and those are essentially the four full editors that are there and everything else either just changes tags or is very, very, very topic specific. So and if, if you look at, at um, user base, essentially you have ID and then you have maps.me slash organic maps which however the, the editing facility is just an add-on it's essentially a navigation app and you can add poise and edit poise if you want to and the same with OSM and the the difference is that OSM and tends to be for OSM nerdies and Maps.me, Organic Maps, has a far wider uh, reach. Uh, But what's interesting, I think, is, and and that's the numbers that I I ran yesterday, is, yeah, with what do new mappers start? And you can see that 80% of new mappers still start with ID with the website editor. And if you look at the top 10 applications, that's including Maps Me, Organic Maps, JOSM, Street Complete, um, Go Map, Vespucci, uh, you get up to about 97% of beginners are covered by the top 10 apps. The question there is really, yeah, but uh, how large is the conversion rate between new mappers and people carrying on to actually regularly regularly editing OpenStreetMap? And the surprising thing is, is that people that start with the website editor are the people that are most likely to stay on. Um, has a conversion rate around about 2% for regular mappers and a couple of per mil, so thousands of of uh, that, that convert to really large mappers, so say two, three in a thousand will become a real large mapper. And one of the surprising things that I uh, uh, found out yesterday was, you know, a lot, a lot of people say, okay, you start off with Street Complete, that's... You know, you get challenges, it's highly gamified. Yeah. Um, and then you progress to um, being a proper editor. And the interesting thing is that Street Complete only has about 25%, which are actually newbies, which start using it. And there's no better conversion from Street Complete to larger mappers than ID. And the surprising thing was, I looked at the JOSM numbers. And the JOSM numbers are quite surprising. 2% of our overall
0: new mappers start off with JOSM. Which is quite complicated software. It is
1: quite complicated software. And, and it's 4% with Street Complete, which is very simple yeah. uh, uh, software. And the thing is, the conversion rates with JOSM to larger mappers... Are much much higher. We're talking about one to two orders of magnitude higher, which is probably not surpri- surprising, but it it uh, is not a result that I thought I would see. Um, So that's an interesting aspect. So in in general, to answer your question, people still start off with the website editor. There's surely uh, a slow movement to mobile editors. I mean, one of the niches that Vespucci uh, uh, addresses is people that don't have a desktop computer anymore.
0: All right, okay.
1: And there are people that really, I mean... They just don't have a classical desktop computer anymore. They might not even have a laptop, but they do have a mobile device. And so you want to give them the ability to edit everything and not just be limited to your classical, I can change a tag on my mobile device. And that implies some complexity and a, a certain learning curve in the app.
0: What What is what is your sense? Do you think we need more editors in terms of more, you know, maybe we need an even beginner-friendlier editor or, or more kind of use-case-specific editors? Or, um, you know, you mentioned Street Complete, which takes kind of a gamified approach, which um, I'm actually not surprised that the conversion is not higher because I think it's more people who already know OpenStreetMap and enjoy OpenStreetMap and then they want to engage with OpenStreetMap in a new way, maybe, or perhaps when they're traveling or something. So, yeah. Yeah,
1: and I mean, I, mean, I think the surprising thing there is that only 25% are actually newbies, yeah. given, given the way it's marketed in you know, a wide sense of the word, um, compared to people just using ID, where we have 60% newbies. Uh, it, it, it's a bit of a loaded question, the, the problem is if if all things were were ideal, we had unlimited users, we had unlimited money, yeah, sure having more editors would be good the The problem is that the we have quite a limited user base and we have quite limited funds. and if you look at editors that are addressing mainly i would say larger. OSM mappers, we're only talking about a user base of 50,000 people plus minus and a user base that is growing very, very, very slowly. Mm. So if you are, have this brilliant idea, I want a new editor, particularly if it's a general purpose editor, um, you are essentially participating in a zero-sum game except if you're specifically addressing newbies.
0: Well, that's just it, maybe, maybe the issue is that we haven't succeeded yet in creating an editor that's easy enough for newbies, if you see what I mean. Maybe, I mean, maybe there's a way to, through some new usability tweak or something, to draw in more users. Um, and I, get, I, I think this was kind of the idea behind the OSM notes project, right? That people, people who don't yet feel comfortable Editing could just leave a note and say, oh, you know, this store is closed or whatever, or... There are
1: attempts at it.
0: Um, we have a locally in Switzerland developed
1: web app, OSM My Biz, Okay. Which is completely targeting people that simply want to add their business and maintain their business in OSM. It Doesn't do more, it's guided in the sense that you are led through a progress of finding the place where your business is, checking whether it already exists or not. If it doesn't exist, you can add it. You do need a, an OSM account. Um, we don't shortcut there. And uh, but the, the traction that something like that gets is nearly zero. And and that, and that that's the problem. We, we have lots of apps that have 100 200 users per, per year
0: yeah.
1: and, and particularly if you're looking at something which is more or less full-fledged we're talking about significant developer effort regardless whether your user base is 100 or 100,000 right, and that's where I say we're not using our resources well uh, somebody started a, a, a new fully-fledged editor for iOS a couple of months back I should be cheering that because they are using the same preset format as I am. Um, but the fact is, uh, we already have a fully-fledged editor for iOS. And if there's a good idea, if there's innovation, why can't that happen in the context of the already existing app that's there? Why can't people participate in the development of Go Map instead of doing their own thing? And that's where I'm, I'm fairly critical about all these, not bad or, or, or unwanted um, apps, but where I say we don't have that many developers in OSM space. And if people keep on fragmenting everything, not just fragmenting their developer ep- effort, they're fragmenting their user base, and we just end up with a long list of, apps that have a hundred users and in the end nobody's really motivated to maintain them and they just go away and uh,
0: I, I think that's a shame. Yeah I, I guess there are two sides of that though I mean on the one hand of course it would be wonderful if, if people who have these skills you know and they enter the community you know join into the existing projects I guess the existing projects need to make sure that they're Making it easy for people to come to onboard and participate and, and uh, be open to new ideas and new things. And, um.
1: I mean, we we have the same problem in the space where you're active. I mean, nominati geocoding, yeah. people will keep on inventing new geocoders and putting a lot of initial effort into it. At least they notice that it's actually really hard. And. Uh, we have a substantial amount of fragmentation there as well.
0: Sure. Well, you know, people have every, everyone has their own, everyone believes they have their own unique use case, right? And uh, so it's hard. It's hard. You. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned the, um, the sharing of the presets. Talk a bit about that and how much cooperation is there across... The development of the different editors and, and how is that coordinated? Is that just ad hoc or are there any kind of... How much are you trading notes with other editor developers? I would say nearly
1: not at all. <laughs> it, it's one of those things, it's actually a pet peeve of mine that... Uh, uh, this, this again is something which is quite fragmented, though I have to say there's essentially two groups. There, there are the people um, that use the ID presets and there's the group that uses the JOSM presets. There's not real, really any coordination between them. And this is, by the way, a significant, um, particularly if you're doing a, a full-blown editor, this is a substantial part of the effort because the the tagging scheme is... is schemas are changing the whole time and uh, in one way or the other you need to deal with it. I mean, can say okay this is a change I don't want to support um, and and how democratically that is done because uh, the, the, that's one of the big issues do I as a developer have the right to say sorry folks this new tacking schema or this new object that you're tagging doesn't make any sense and I'm not going to support it I don't have an answer for that um, but there has has been cases in the past where there's actually been anonymous uh, edits and tweaks. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and, and 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 there's there's there's. Been at least one case where the ID developers, the JOSM developers, and I have all been of the same opinion. This is a tacking streamer that doesn't make any sense, and we're not going to support it. And that's completely undemocratic, I have to say. But sometimes there are technical reasons why you really, really, really don't want to do something. And uh, uh, but it's very rare.
0: Well, I I have to say, as a as a user of OpenStreetMap data. I do feel like the editors have gotten better at at helping people to not shoot themselves in the foot, right? With the presets and not, not it, you know it's very easy for someone who's new to the project to make mistakes and to break things and um, you know and I, on the one hand there is vandalism but on uh, the vast majority of the time it's completely unintentional just human error. Or, or misunderstanding. And uh, the editors have gotten much better in that regard, I think. Oh, yeah.
1: Uh, and I think uh, one of the things that people don't really realize, how much better they have got. Um, and that it ranges from ID to JAWS and to everything. that. It's day and night if you would do an A, B comparison. Uh, uh, an editor from 10 years ago compared to now. Um, and presets are part of that. Uh, it's just And... and Better user interfaces. Um, I mean, the reason that I that I got started with Spuchi was I wanted something an existing uh, app. Um, I had it on my phone, but I realized, yeah, every time I split away, it's going to break those any relations which are on that way. Yeah. Because it did actually didn't support relations at all, and that's why I said, okay, I can fix that. Oh. And, and that's why I got started with it. And uh, that's one of the things. And it's probably still the most common um, source of errors is that auto germ- geometry edits potentially can impact relations without people knowing. Right. So it's completely transparent to the to the end user. And yes, there there's 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 some war stories. There's this funny thing which happened about three years ago. Somebody started opening issues on all major editors uh, issue tracker saying you are breaking stairs. And we said oh, and the thing was that you know if you split a stairs and have a step count on it, you should really split that step count I according to the length of the ways. Of the, if you split it one way shorter, that gets less, uh, less steps, and a longer way gets more steps. And nobody, nobody was doing that. And by the way, the other way around as well, because if you merge two step segments, you shouldn't actually merge the number. And, and nobody was doing that. Now, that's a totally trivial fix, but was surprising, you know, project. OSM is something like 15, 16 years old, and nobody had done that properly up to that point in time.
0: <laughs> but this, this raises a question I mean, How do you deal with support, or how many, how many support issues are you doing? Because you must have people coming to you with just, obviously with Bospucci questions, but also with just general OSM questions. And I mean, it must be an endless flood. It's
1: not that bad. Bad. I mean, there are some specific um, Android aspects to that. But in general, I'm, I'm a person. You know, if, if if it's not a feature request, um, you typically get an answer within a day, at least an initial response. And I, and if it's a real bug, I try to fix it immediately. Essentially, uh, there's no point in. Um, keeping stuff around there are some things which are structural which you can't fix uh, immediately but most uh, most errors are relatively small um, and there are some Android specific things in interacting with with users that people will complain on the Play Store and the Play Store is just totally not suitable for an uh, issue tracker or for fixing any real problem you can only actually there's, you can only Do one answer which has something like 300 characters max. You can edit that answer, but you can imagine somebody edits their question, you edit the answer, and so on. It's just a total mess. What Um, a nightmare. And and we keep on telling people please open an issue on on our issue tracker. You can even do that without having a GitHub login. Um, But there are still people which. Just open up uh, an issue on on the Play Store and on GitHub, and we'll just ghost you. You know, you, you supply an answer within an hour, and then just nothing happens. Uh, th- that is sometimes a, a bit of frustration, but um, it's you know, for me, it's it's not a problem because I like making people happy. As you know, I, I ran a, a software as a service business for a while, and I always say, you know, every issue that a customer opens is is really an opportunity, and uh, and I even in the open source world, I, I operate by that maxim. <laughs>
0: What uh, what are you working on now with Vespucci? What um, I mean, I, I, this is mature software that's been around for many years. So what are what is what are the new things? Is it just keeping up to date with the changes to Android, or are there actual new features and new functionalities you're trying to introduce? Right. Um, that there, that there, there's the, what you
1: say, the keeping up with Android. That's at least once per year effort. Um, Typically uh, now it's in October. It used to be November. Um, Google forces you to update the last version of Android and, and compile and build against that. And that sometimes that is trivial. Sometimes it's um, man month. You don't really know in advance. Um, and then there's lots of small changes, bug fixes. We do a Monthly maintenance release essentially always so that updates the presets, imagery, or configurations which are essentially shipped with the app um, and small bug fixes. And we do three to four larger releases per year and new functionality. There's you know, it, it, it's a general purpose editor, so it, it you know, like stuff like adding. Additional layer supports, so, I mean, stack uh, supporting stack is, is, is something which is there, which we'll probably be working on. Um, and, uh, and, and the user interface changes, the user interfaces, if you compare Vespucci nowadays compared to um, a decade ago, it's like day and night.
0: I can believe that. Yeah.
1: It It's just the, the mostly small changes, but lots of incremental changes make up a very big change over time.
0: One one question, Simon, you know, the thing is now the phones, I mean, I, I'm, an, I'm an iPhone user, so I don't track Android as much, but I assume it's somewhere there. I mean, the phones are getting so powerful in terms of the types of sensors they have available, you know, not just, of course, a camera, but all these other types of sensors. To what degree is that able to be used for mapping? And how do you see that evolving going forward? I mean, and... And particularly, like, you know, are we going to have on the device have, you know, some sort of uh, AI or something that kind of pre-maps it for you and you just have to confirm it? Or, you know, you can kind of get the dimensions of the building or the room and all this kind of thing.
1: I I mean, there's stuff like um, measuring uh, distances. Um, And so, you know, how wide is this uh, door? Exactly. And we already do that. Um, on phones that are capable of doing that. Um, this is actually an area of collaboration. Um, the uh, developer of Street Complete wrote uh, initial support for that and moved it into a separate app. And um, we use the same app for, the, for, for measuring uh, distances. So you can point your phone at a doorway or something like that and just measure how wide that is. Um, or street or something like that and, and that works relatively well. Um, over the years we've done a lot of experiments with uh, OCR, so char- character recognition, it, um, yeah. with, with uh, speech commands and so on. The problem is that while they work in the lab quite well, in the practice when you're outside Places noisy, low contrast, and all of that. It uh, tends to be very fiddling and fiddly. And the, the question always is, how good does, does it have to be that it's actually less work than simply typing something in. And and uh, my experience, I say, it probably has to be around about 99% um, before. Because the last thing you want to do is be standing on the street, looking at your phone, trying to get this name correct, and you're going, Metzgerei Böhme, Metzgerei and So, you know, by the
0: time you've typed it in... <laughs> yeah, but... But and, I would assume... There's potential there, yes. Yeah, I would assume it's getting better and better, right? All these technologies, the, the OCR and, the, I mean, you know, that, it's pretty sure. impressive how well those things work nowadays. Yeah, and, and, and I think OCR
1: is, is one of the things which we're going to revisit. The, the problem is how much is on device, because a lot of these things which work reasonably well nowadays actually connect to a service, uh, to Google or to Apple or whatever, and they're not actually offline. And the question is, how good are they if you're only using something which is on the device? And um, it's something that we regularly revisit and, and might be something which be coming up in, in the next major version, which will be version 20, sometimes next year. Nobody has actually noticed that I've synchronized the major version numbers with the age of OSM. But, uh, <laughs> well done, Simon. Well done. <laughs> it, it's with, with apps, you have complete freedom with uh, how you number them it does, because it's essentially meaningless.
0: <laughs> um well, look, okay, So that's something good to look forward to in the the realm of editor development. What 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 else can we expect? What are what are the, you know, what what do you think is most innovative? What's happening around? I mean, is the way we edit OSM in five years' time is it going to be roughly the same as today, or are there going to be uh, big changes? You think? Probably going to contradict myself because I I would argue that
1: um, editing OSM. Hasn't really changed that much over the last twenty years. No, I don't think it uh, has. I don't think uh, it has really. Uh, there's there's surely potential for more artificial stupidity support. Uh, the, the 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 problem right now with this, and particularly in the in, in people that are using rapid will we'll probably know that is that somebody else which that we don't have any control over is generating outline streets and so ever from, from sources that we don't have control over either and it's not what I ideally would say well see I, I would see something okay I'm looking at this um, um, image here and I locally want to be able to say, okay, generate me all missing roads, or something like that, instead of relying on big US tech to do that for me, or I, you know, I, 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 I want to find all fountains in this image, or something like that, and that kind of support in editors. I, I'm not convinced that we'll see that on mobile any time soon, but it's something that you could very well imagine in a uh, desktop kind of setting, where you have guaranteed connectivity and so on. Right. So you can use, uh, you can really rely on having uh, a server available. Uh, and, and for Vespucci specific, what's definitely coming in version 20 is going to be better onboarding for people that haven't used the app before. Um, I've given up essentially on uh, expecting people to actually read an introduction. Yeah, it's no one reads. Ho- no, it's just
0: hopeless nowadays. Um, and... Um, you need, to, you need to do, like, an intro, like a 10-second dance video or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> that. That might actually... People will watch that, but no, no one will read.
1: I, I mean, I, I keep on having people saying, Simon, you have to make more videos about how to use it and so on. But the fact is, there are videos out there, and people don't look at them either. Right. So it has to be... Uh,
0: well, I don't really, think, really simple. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think there's one single solution, right? Different people have different modes of how they want to be informed. So, what um, as we wrap up here, Simon, just what would be your advice for anyone out there, any listeners who are interested in getting involved in, in the editing scene? What, you know, what what would you recommend to them? I,
1: I would really recommend contributing. To an existing application first. You can always go off and do your own thing in the end, but uh, the, the value, <laughs> even the fame that you will get out of doing your new fangled editor is very, very limited, I mean, because your, your audience, audience is very, very limited as well. and. Uh, if you have this new idea new innovation don't assume the existing developers are not interested i mean there's a, a i have a good example um every door has this really neat concept of having a nearby point of interest display right and that's something that we've done and early, last, uh, early this year, we've integrated a drawer where you can pull up and you can see the nearby poise and you can select them that, which which helps because you don't actually have to select them on the map anymore. You can uh, And you can use filters on it and so on. That was an interesting idea. I'm not convinced that as an idea it's worth an app on its own, but it's definitely something that we could support. And yeah. uh, we've done that.
0: Well, again, I can see that different people want to, you know, not every, people have different tastes and how they want to do things, and and you know, you can't not everyone wants to eat the same meal every all the time, right? You know, sometimes you want to do it one way, sometimes another, so. Um. Okay, well, thanks very much, Simon, for this overview of the, uh, the editor landscape and the, the issues facing editors. I guess um, two final questions. First of all, when when are we going to have you speak at an in-person Geomov, Simon? Are you coming to London? Is that, uh, let, let's get out on the resolution list for 2024. London, <laughs> Berlin? Well, pro- probably Berlin. A um, bit easier to get to and
1: um, since I'm nearby a couple of times per year, that probably makes no
0: sense. Well, we would we would definitely love to have you. I think there are many topics that you could um, you could share with the audience that, that would be very interesting for everyone. So let's make it happen. Um, and I guess on the final note, then how can how can people best get in touch with you, and how can they learn more about Vespucci? Um, probably best um,
1: Mastodon or or just email me or, or use the the, uh, the OSM messaging system. That's my emails how people classically reach me. Um, we have a um, uh, Vespucci specific uh, email address as well, info at vespucci.io but um, yeah, and if you have a suggestion, open an issue on uh, our GitHub repo um, or just mail it to me Um, The worst thing that can happen is that I say this is silly and close it. by I normally don't say that. (laughs) I'll probably give you a lengthy explanation why it's not possible, but uh, (laughs) it's... And and in general, I think, and and this is um, uh, one of my pet peeves, if you're actually using Vespucci and you have a problem with it, something doesn't work as expected, Please open an issue. We can only fix stuff that we know about and stuff that we don't know about is not going to get
0: fixed. Well, there you go, listeners. All right. On that, on that note, um, let me close then by saying, uh, first of all, of course, we'll get, we'll get those various links into the show notes, but... Um, let me close by saying thank you, Simon, for all your work on, on Vespucci. Not to you and everyone working on Vespucci, but also to all the makers of all the other ed- editors. Um, I, I know it's, it's very hard work, and uh, I can only imagine trying to debug everyone's IT issues on every Android phone around the world. I mean, that, good God. <laughs> Better you than me, I, is, I say that. <laughs> thank um, you, Ed. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Simon, thanks thanks for coming back on the show.
1: Ed, again, thank, thank you for having me, um, and up to
0: the next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us today and listening to the GeoMob podcast. We hope you enjoyed the discussion. Please get in touch with us if you have any feedback or suggestions for topics we should cover. You can get the show notes over on the website, which is at thegeomob.com. While you're there, you can sign up for our monthly mailing list where we keep you informed about upcoming events. You can, of course, also follow us on Twitter where our handle is geomob. Thanks for listening and hope to see you at a geomob event soon.